Good morning. Welcome to First Evangelical Presbyterian Church. Uh, my name is Candy, and I direct the Tower Bells. Uh, we're going to do something a little bit different for our prelude this morning. Uh, I don't know if anybody, if any of you have met Dr. Jeff Nelson. He plays the bass over here every once in a while, and I think he's on a road trip. He's, he plays in a band. Uh, we, <laughs> we met in a water aerobics class. <laughs> and he and his wife, were, they live in Canby, and they were looking for a church, and they'd been to churches in Canby, and they went, hmm, hmm, hmm. They walked in the door, sat through one of our services, and looked at each other and said, this is it. So anyway, he is very musical. He came to me after he had seen the bells play a couple times, and he said, you know what, I have a notebook of music at home that is for handbells. And I said, oh, I'd love to see it. He brought it in. Some two uh, composers, old, older composers, uh, had taken hymns and made it so that handbells could play them. So he brought me this notebook and he said, go ahead and see if you'd like them. And I started to give it back to him a few weeks later and I said, well, I found a couple. He goes, only a couple? Well, there probably was, I bet, 60 or 80 hymns in this notebook. He said, just do whatever. I talked to Jenny and found out our license covers me and the bells for playing these. So this morning for our prelude, uh, just a little bit different, is going to be Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee. Uh, we, I asked Jenny, and she printed up. There's two verses that will be up on the screen, and the singers are going to help you. So I have a four-measure uh, intro with my bells, and then you can start singing. You don't have to stand up. Just enjoy the old hymns. Thank 
So you've already been welcome. So let's begin with a word of prayer. Uh, the two things I will tell you before we do that, Bruce and Jen are having a great time. Um, continue to pray for them that they get relaxed and recharged and doing all the things that vacations can do for you. And the rest you're going to hear later. We have uh, minute permissions today from the Gideons. So with that, let's begin with a word of prayer. Father, thank you for um, a chance to just come into your house to worship you. We know that uh, your spirit tells us that he's knocking at the door wanting to come in. And we just open those doors, invite the spirit to come in and fill us, quicken our minds, open our hearts, uh, fill us with your great love. Father, it's this, the song that we started with is awesome. It's joyful, joyful. We are glad to come into your house and, and to worship you. Father, be with us now as we go through the service. Uh, anoint us, bring us in, and uh, give us the ears to hear what you have for us today. In your son's name, amen. amen. Are you doing song number two? Are you doing song number two?
This is my prayer. 
this morning that you are our king and our God, and we want to be those faithful servants to you, Father, to, to have that um, winsomeness that you give us, Lord, that we may win the lost. Thank you for your word and your promises to us, Lord, and uh, Father, I just pray that we would stay true to our first love, that we would share the, the gospel um, to those around us in our neighborhood and our family and friends, because you are so worthy of that, Lord God. Thank you for this worship time this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, everyone. The last song was absolutely perfect, because it talked about what we as Christians are required to do. And that isn't to go... Um, stomp on people's toes and tell them what they should and shouldn't be doing. It's to share the love of Jesus Christ and, and be God to them, um, Jesus to them in a very real way so that they can see him. We live in a very lost world and we are so excited to have the Gideons here today. We only have them here once a year, but we do pray for them more often. So I would like Kevin Wally to come on up and he's our representative today. He will be in the back at the end um, to accept donations in his Bible, and I'm excited to hear the stories that he has to share. Kevin. Thank you, Brenda. Since I didn't write this down, I think we can excuse the children if they would like to head down the hallway. If they haven't already left, it would be appropriate. All right, thank you. All right. I need to, I need to 
Good morning. Bill reached into his suitcase and pulled out a handgun. He was a man in crisis and had brought it along on his business trip to shoot himself. Bill's wife of 24 years had just left him. Their children had slid into drug use and gangs. Two weeks before his trip, Bill was told he would soon be without a job because his company was downsizing. He laid the gun on the bed. He cranked up the volume on the TV and was swallowed up by feelings of failure. In Bill's own words, here's what happened next. I opened the drawer of the nightstand to look for a pen to write a note. Instead, I found a Gideon's Bible. I had not been to church since vacation Bible school as a child, and I had not gotten married in a church, but something in that book called out to me. I turned the TV down and started reading Matthew, then Mark, then John. Tears rolled down my face. I realized there was someone who loved me. It was God. I gave my life to Christ that night. A month later, Bill was hired by the new company as a regional manager. He and his wife never reconciled, but he is building his relationships with his children. He is attending church regularly and reading God's word every day. During a return trip to the hotel, Bill told the manager, I don't know why the Gideons put these Bibles in these rooms, but I'm sure glad they do. This book saved my life. My name is Kevin Wally, and I am a Gideon. I'm very pleased to uh, be here with my dear wife, Jane, to worship with our brothers and sisters in Christ at First uh, Evangelical Presbyterian Church today. Perhaps especially so for Jane, because her daddy was a Presbyterian minister. <laughs> my purpose is to share about the Gideons in the hope that you will help us bring the scriptures to a lost and dying world. Often when someone hears the name Gideons, they probably think about the Bibles they see in the hotel rooms. This is an important part of our ministry, and indeed a Gideon-placed hotel Bible can reach more than 2,300 people during its life. But the Gideons International is so much more than hotel Bibles. Since 1899, our objective has been to win others to Christ by helping Christian business and professional men strengthen their witness and testimony and increase their influence for Christ in their homes, workplaces, and churches. As a natural outgrowth of maturing in Christ and strengthening our testimonies, we and our wives place Bibles in the traffic lanes of life. Places like hotels, hospitals, and nursing homes. We also give testaments to prisoners, to police, to fire and medical personnel, and also to men and women in the armed forces. Today we are organized in 200 countries and publish scriptures in 109 languages. Last year, by God's grace, we touched over 37 million people with a copy of God's word. The Gideons also provide a means to reach younger students right here in America. We do so by distributing New Testaments to students directly. Each year, we show up on the sidewalk outside local high schools 
and offer free Bibles to the young people as they come and go from school. I'm happy to report that 85 to 90 percent of the young people offered Bibles took them from us at a recent distribution at Canby High School. It's so easy for us to obtain Bibles that it's hard to understand just how precious a copy of God's Word is to so many around the world. This was illustrated to me personally in December of last year when I went on a mission trip to Uganda in Central Africa. Our purpose was to install a fish farm at a school called Rock of Ages. Fish raised in large circular tanks will be used to feed school children and some of them will be sold to fund operation of the school. Chris, uh, could I uh, have the uh, little video called School now, please? Okay, this is Rock of Ages School near Ninja, or uh, that's not quite, it's Jinja, not Ninja. I guess it'd be in Japan if it was Ninja, wouldn't it? Uh, this is Jinja, uh, Jinja, Uganda, and that's Rock of Ages School. And you can see they have uh, fields around the school, and there's a lady there who's hoeing weeds in the cornfield. But the next thing they will have is a fish farm near the school. May we have the picture fish tanks, please? So here you have it. This is the fish farm going up. What you see is two by fours with sheet metal uh, making concrete forms into which concrete will be poured to make circular fish tanks. And I think there were going to be six, could be eight of the tanks uh, when it was all put together. So it's a pretty big operation. These two women are uh, team members. Allison on the left is, was our uh, subject matter expert for the construction and operation of the fish farm. And Nikki on the right had an administrative role. May I have the picture boy, please? Okay, so this is the type of little fellow who, is, uh, who stands to benefit from having this fish farm there and this school at his disposal. We visited the slum, which is right next door to the school, and just walked around to see what life was like for the folks that live in uh, and around Jinja. And uh, this little guy was just walking down the street. He's got, as you can see, he's got banana leaves under his arm. Uh, that's their saran wrap. He's got some kind of food product wrapped up in there, and he was carrying it down the street. And I was looking at him, he was looking at me. I said, can I take your picture? And he said, okay. So there you see him. All right, uh, we, uh, we got to enjoy a, a day on safari at the end of our mission time. You get to have a little fun usually at the end of one of these mission trips. In our, uh, in our case, that was a safari since we were in Africa. May we have the photo safari van, please? Okay, so the green van on the left was the one that we were in, and you can see the other one there. This typical kind of vehicles they use to take tourists around out there to see the wild critters in, in Africa. So uh, we uh, would stand up inside of that uh, van with our heads under the pop-top roof there, and, and we could uh, go right out into this national park where the animals were running loose and get a pretty good look at them without being in the food chain. All right, may we have the picture guides, please? These two fellows were our tour guides. The man on the right is named Noah, and the fellow on the left is named Sidney. They were wonderful men who uh, 
were very knowledgeable, told us lots of wonderful things about what we were seeing. And as you can see, Uganda's on the equator. And of course, they wouldn't miss an opportunity to make a tourist trap there. So there you have it. And we stopped and took some photographs. All right, may we have the uh, video warthog, please? So here's an example of something we saw from our tourist van. And uh, there he was, just walking around. So uh, what, what do they call that thing? I mean, you, you guys have seen Lion King, right? Pumba? Oh, a little scratch. All right, so that word came up, Pumba. And I, I asked Noah, I said, okay, we all know this word Pumba. And I said, do you guys really call it that? And he said, well, we have another word for it. It's, I said, well, what is it? He says, it's Ingiri. I go, Ingiri? He says, yes, but you know it has another meaning, too. It means the gospel. And I went, the gospel? He says, you know, you know, like when those people come and tell you about Jesus Christ. I said, yes, I know about that because I'm one of them. And I pulled the Gideon's Testament out of my pocket and I gave it to him. And uh, he was very pleased to receive it. Now, the bad news is I was down to my last Gideon's Testament. I had given the others away that I brought along. And later riding along in the van with uh, Sidney, the other man, driving, the Bible I had given Noah was laying there. And he pointed at it. He says, oh, I like this very much. And I said, Sidney, I'm sorry, man. I don't have another one to give you. Oh, he says, yes, I like this very much. And so I'm on the hook to send him one. But it's difficult because they don't have mailing addresses. You and I have a house with a post box in the front, or a mailing address to give to people. They don't have that, so I've got to figure out how to send it to some place that they regularly visit, like one of the tourist lodges. Anyway, so the point is, overseas, getting a Bible is a big deal, and this is where you can help us. So I ask you for that help now. Uh, the most important thing that you can do for us to pray for us, the Lord Jesus tells us in John 15, 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. It is only through the releasing of his power into our situations that his kingdom is built and his will is done. He even tells us that you do not have because you do not ask. So please pray for us. You might uh, like to keep a copy of the Gideon's bulletin insert that's uh, out there in the pews uh, to remind you to pray for us. Next, if God leads you to do so, please give to the Gideon's. For an investment of $1.56, you can provide for placement of a scripture somewhere in the world. I can't believe that these beautiful little Bibles could be made for $1.56, but they have a deal, the Gideons have a deal with a printer, and they're actually producing them for that price. So if you were to give a gift of $156, it could result in a box of 100 testaments reaching men, women, and children in a country where many people struggle to survive and they can't afford a copy of God's Word. Uh, a moment ago, I mentioned the, uh, the uh, Bible, or rather the Gideon's insert, this thing. And uh, it contains a giving envelope that you can mail to us later if you like. Or it also has a QR code. One of these things, you know, there, you're starting to see these things in a lot of places. Now, the one in, in the um, insert is much smaller. It's about the size of a 10-cent piece, but that's what it looks like. And uh, if you point your uh, smartphone camera at that, it'll quickly take you to the uh, Gideon's Giving site.
Of course, if you want to see me after the service, I'll be available and uh, would be happy to personally receive your gift. Did you know that you also have an easy way to help the Gideons right here in your church building? Your church has graciously invited us to place a Gideon's card rack here for your use. You can send one of these beautiful cards in memory of a loved one or to let someone know you're thinking of them and include a gift uh, uh, to send Bibles in their honor through the Gideons. You may be confident that your gift will have eternal consequences for the scripture tells us that when the Lord's word goes out, it will not return to him void. Finally, if you're a professional or um, businessman who would like to associate with other like-minded men to strengthen your witness to your employees, customers, family, and fellow church members, please see me after the service and we can talk about Gideon's membership. Yes, we can use a few good men. You may be relieved to learn that not everyone who becomes a Gideon is expected to come to the church and give talks like I'm doing right now. Uh, there are many other ways to participate and we would love for you to join us in this work, perhaps on the sidewalk distributing Bibles to the children. So I thank you for your attention as I shared about the worldwide ministry of the Gideons International. It's been a joy to be with you today and uh, I ask that uh, God richly bless you. Okay, let's go ahead and pray for the Gideons and um, for Wally and his wife. And I don't think that we currently have someone that's working with the Gideons. Each one of us is called into ministry, and what that looks like is very different for each of us. Some of us leave the country, some of us talk to our neighbors. This is yet another avenue. So if you don't have a ministry, be praying what you are called to do because we're all called to do something. So let's pray. Father God, I just want to thank you so much for the Gideons and for their worldwide reach. There are so many people in heaven today because of their ministry. And I just ask you continue to bless them and direct them and help them in all ways. In your precious son's name, amen. to play a piece called To the Glory of God, and it was composed by Howard Starks in 1978. It was one of the first pieces that our choirs rang back in the old days. Uh, it was commissioned by the Bell Choir at Titusville, Florida for their First Presbyterian Church's 100th anniversary. And my director, my assistant director, this is so wonderful. Uh, I don't know if you have met Ellen Yeager yet, but she has been, a, I found out a few months ago, she's been a music teacher and she's retired. So I grabbed her and we're taking turns directing and I get to play and she gets to play, I get to direct, she gets to direct, 
it's been fun. <laughs> She's very tolerant.
And uh, it, this was a, an extremely, there, there is power, yes. <clears throat> Thank you very much, I appreciate that. Um, I saw them handing out Bibles, and it was an extremely secular campus. The only thing unacceptable on that campus was being a Christian. You could be anything else, and you were a hero, but if you were a Christian, you were rejected. It's an extremely liberal campus. And as these men were handing out Bibles, these kids would take them, look at them, and throw them on the ground and walk away. And I said, what do you do about that? And they said, we pick them up and we hand them out again. <laughs> and they went around and they were collecting them and handing them out. And several people kept the Bibles, but a whole lot were just thrown on the ground, thrown on the ground, thrown on the ground people missing opportunities, but it did not dissuade the handing out of the Bibles. That continued on, and that must continue on. It must continue on. The Word of God brings us life. There is life in this Word. It is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And it will meet us where we are, whether we're in a hotel room contemplating suicide or wherever we are. When the Word of God comes, it brings life. And so this must continue on. Thank you for sharing this morning. I appreciate that. And by the way, I don't know if you noticed in, in the picture of Noah and Sydney. I think Noah was standing over the inn and Sydney was standing over the S in that circle. Did you notice that? I noticed that. I don't know if that's who they were. Maybe they were swapped. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Noah and Sydney, N and S. And, and their address is the equator. So you can, you can send, it'll get to them, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> but thank you for sharing that. I just noticed Noah and Sydney, N and S. That's cool. <clears throat> so anyway, uh, I was... Uh, my wife and I were driving down the road. My wife is not here this morning. She's not feeling well. She had a very rough night last night uh, with, with illness, and she's not feeling well at all this morning. So uh, get well, babe. We love you. Um, 
and she really wanted to be here. However, we were driving along, her and I in the car, down the, down the interstate, and you guys know me, I'm, I'm pretty, uh, well, weird. So, <clears throat> there, there's other words for it, but that one kind of fits. <clears throat> we are going down the highway, and I noticed I'm gaining in the slow lane, I'm gaining on this white car, we get up close, and it's one of those uh, uh, in X something 80 Infinities. It's a little SUV that they got. And those Infinities are always just flying past me. But this one's going slow. And so I think, well, I need to pass him. And as I'm going around, if you know me very well, and you know me very well, <clears throat> you know what I said to infinity and beyond. That's what I said as I passed that infinity because that's what you say when you pass an infinity. <clears throat> yeah, you know I'm crazy. So, <clears throat> and my wife did what she does. Scrolling on the phone, didn't smile, didn't look up, didn't laugh. My audience was, was gone. <clears throat> that was a that's not funny. Most of you will remember that. <clears throat> okay. Uh, the title of my message this morning, uh, not to scare anyone, uh, could, you, could you put that up there, the title of the message? I think that's pretty important. The title of the message is Birth, Life, and Eternity. And eternity is different than infinity. Infinity has a starting point. Eternity does not. And God is in eternity. And we've been invited to join Him in eternity. But uh, I don't want this title to scare you. My dad was a minister, and uh, we, he waxed eloquent for a very long time one Sunday morning, sort of into Sunday afternoon. <laughs> he went a long time. And when we got home... Uh, he could tell something was wrong with my mom. He said, honey, what's, what's going on? And she said, Joe, just because you talk about eternal things does not mean you have to go on forever. <clears throat> oh, so it, the good news is I received the instructions this morning as I got here that these batteries only go three or four hours. <laughs> You're safe. <clears throat> may not uh, beat another congregation to the restaurant, but you're safe. Okay. <clears throat> we have a starting point, birth. Mine is October 3rd, 1955, which means not only was I born in the last century, I was born in the previous millennium, like most of you. You don't want to think about it that way, but we were born in the previous millennium. Um, and that birth is a natural birth. We have our life that we live, and then we have an eternity to go to, ready or not. There is eternity. Um, for me... On, on October, in late October, 1963, 
something else happened. You see, I had a new birth. I was eight years old. And you go, well, what trouble could you be in by eight years old and need to become a Christian? What trouble could you get in at eight years old that you would feel the need? Well, I told you my father was a minister, and this was south-central Missouri, and uh, I had heard a sermon or two on the end times. Yeah, and it soaked in. Now, <clears throat> I was a good kid, but I had a problem. You see, this is a secret problem. At eight years old, I had one life behavior and vocabulary for church and home. And I had a different life behavior and vocabulary for school. Know what I mean? Yeah. Mom and dad had no clue. Most people at school had no clue I was a preacher's kid either. <laughs> and we all know or should know that preacher's kids are either the really good ones or they're the worst kids in school. I don't know if you've had that experience in noticing that or not, but that's quite well known throughout the United States is that preacher's kids are either the best in school or the very worst. Well, I had this going on. I knew about the message of the end times and I came home from school in early October that year, <clears throat> uh, near my birthday, sometime in that first week or so of October, and our car, we had one car, that car was in the driveway, and I went in the house, and I said, hi, Mom, and there was no answer. I looked through the house. I went down in the basement. Mom, Dad, Mom, Dad, nobody there. We had only one car. And my mind quickly went to the rapture. Oh, no! Because my dad lived his life like Pastor Bruce. He was real. Day in, day out, wherever you saw him, he was a man of God, and he acted like it, he lived like it, and he was genuine inside out, a man of God. And mom was a woman of God. And I knew what I was. I was a hypocrite. And I was so scared. I thought, well, I'll call somebody from the church. Oh, no, wait. They're all gone. I'll call grandma and grandpa. No, they're gone. I am alone in the world because everybody I knew that I knew well at all was gone. You may think that's child abuse to grow up feeling that way when everybody's missing, but that's the best 
thing that ever happened to me. You see, I had heard the Word of God. I actually was the very best at memorizing scriptures. I had a whole lot of scriptures memorized from children's church. I knew lots and lots of the Word of God, enough to know I was still here, and apparently they were all gone. And after a little bit, Mom and Dad came through the door, and I was crying. Oh, were you scared? They didn't know why I was scared. They just thought I was scared because I didn't see them. No, I was scared because I couldn't see anybody, including them. <laughs> I was the only one left, as far as I knew. Well, did I repent immediately? No, I did not repent immediately. Why would a, why would a preacher's kid do that? I did not repent immediately, realized I'd been duped by them going on a walk. They went for a walk. They never went for a walk. Why would I think they went for a walk? They went for a walk. That's all. They were talking about things and didn't realize it was time for the bus to come home. So, later that month, my dad was preaching an old-fashioned revival in a little town called Bourbon, Missouri. Yes, bourbon, just like the drink. And, uh, and, and this revival, we would drive 50 miles every night after school, 50 miles to this little town, and it was the town and, and the church that my mom had grown up in. And dad was preaching a revival there, and on one of the nights late in the revival, I didn't hear my dad's sermon. I didn't hear anything God was talking to me through the whole time. Are you going to just let this go on for a long time? Are you going to let it go on until really they're gone? How long are you going to wait? I love you. Just repent. I love you. I didn't hear the sermon. I didn't hear nothing. But during the sermon, I turned, got up out of my pew turned around and knelt down and I asked God to forgive me. And I asked Jesus to be the Lord of my life. And that was my spiritual birthday. And ever since that day, I have never not wanted to follow God. I've always wanted to follow Him. I've always wanted to do what was right. Have I always done what was right? Oh no, and I so appreciate Pastor Bruce sharing. Yeah, I, I sinned. I, I've sinned. He shares that with us. Most pastors want to hide their faults. Our pastor is real. He's honest, and he also knows that God is full of grace and mercy and love toward us. Now, here's the deal God dealt gently with me in that. He used something that happened in my life to rattle me. The man in the hotel room, God used something that happened in his life to rattle him. So when he read the Word of God, he would be open as never before. We need to realize that birth, life, and eternity are going to always happen. They happen with each of us. And we need that second 
birth to begin the real life that goes to the wonderful eternity awaiting us. That's what we need to do. Our youngest son, Levi, uh, lived his life totally committed to doing the wrong things. <laughs> he did everything wrong pretty much that you can do. Um, he spent quite a bit of time in prison. One day in prison, he asked me uh, when we were visiting, can I call you dad? See him as stepdad. Can I call you dad? And I said, yes. It was the most wonderful words I'd heard. And I said, can I call you son? And he said, yeah. And in front of other convicts, he got up from around the table, and I got up, and we hugged each other. And I said, I love you, son. And he gave me one of those hugs where you put your head up. They put your head on your shoulder, and he just hugged me. He'd never had a dad that loved him. We have a heavenly father that loves us so much. So, from John chapter 3, I'm going to read the first six verses, and I want to share with you about the birth. There was a man named Nicodemus, a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that you do except God be with him. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Truly, truly, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, well, How can a man be born again when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say unto you, except a man be born of water, that's the natural birth, and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. For that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Now, if you remember in, in another place in Scripture, it says that, that God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. Before we can actually really worship God and really appreciate him, we need to become more like Him. We need to be born of spirit. It allows us a communication. Now, I want to share, that's the new birth. And until that happens, there is a separation between you and God, not by His choice, by yours. And when that happens, when you become born again, the light bulb comes on inside you and you begin to know God. You begin to walk with Him and understand Him. You must be born again to be part of the kingdom of God. In our next passage I want to read to you is Luke chapter 15, um, verses 11 through 32. And this is the story of the prodigal son. Now, the prodigal son is not a story that is equal to or compared to somebody coming to God 
from a sinful life. This is a story of somebody who has already been born in the family and has taken a wrong turn, wanted his inheritance, took it and went and lived a life away from his father And then some things happen in his life. Verse 11 of Luke chapter 15. Jesus said this, And a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto him his living. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all Uh, He gathered all together and took his journey into a far country and there wasted his substance with riotous living. He went and lived it up. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself unto unto a citizen of that country, and he and the citizen sent him into the fields to feed his pigs. And he would fain have filled his belly, he was starving, uh, with the husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. Verse 17 says this, And when he came to himself, he said, How many my hired servants of my father, how many of the hired servants of my father, have bread enough to spare, and I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and I am no longer worthy, uh, no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of your hired servants. Give me a job. I just want to work. I, I, need, a, I need to eat. And he arose and he came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, he started his speech here, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in thy sight and am no worthy, no longer worthy to be called thy son. But the father said unto him, and said unto his servants, Bring forth the best robe and put on him, and a ring and put on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let's eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to be merry, and his eldest son was in the field. And as he came, he drew nigh to the house, and he heard uh, the music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed the fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. And he was angry, and he would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he he answering 
said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment, and yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. He wanted to slay a baby goat so he could have a party. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, and hath killed, you have killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. After the new birth, we live life. And this is, a, this is a question I have for you, a serious question. Which of us in here, after having received Jesus as Savior, has not taken a wrong turn and done something wrong in your life? Even our pastor confesses that he has done wrong. I confess that I have done wrong. Which of us has not done wrong? That's what we all need to look at. This older son was self-righteous. I don't want to be self-righteous. I want him to make me righteous. If I make myself righteous, I have defrauded and fooled my own self. Deception is a particularly difficult thing to recover from when it's self-deception. Because you really believe it's true and it's not. And it's very hard to talk somebody out of self-deception. We need to be honest. You see, when I was a kid, God cornered me into being honest about myself. Since then, uh, you folks know a young man named Nick who was uh, at the Teen Challenge Center. Nick was sitting in my office one day and he looked at me and he goes, you really don't care what anybody thinks about you, do you? And I said, no, I don't. <laughs> I've nothing to hide. I'm just me. And if I'm being silly, well, I'm being silly. And if I'm teaching the Word of God, I'm being serious. Because this is not just life and death. It's life abundantly and eternal life or eternal death that's in the balance. Real life and eternal life are in the balance. And so, I don't, I don't talk about these kind of things frivolously, even though I tell jokes at the start or whatever, or point out something funny. That just kind of helps you realize, yeah, it's Dave, and there's a problem. But then we get down to what this is about. And this is about what to do when you know 
you have done something in your life or had bad thoughts or had bad uh, actions or failed to have good actions. To him that knows to do good and does it, does it not, to him it is sin. We have all missed God one way or the other. Here's what God has to say about it. God loves the sinner, but he doesn't love the sin. He hates the sin. The world has interpreted that as hate speech. That is love speech. <laughs> he loves us and everybody's sinned, so he loves all of us. <laughs> he just wants to bring us back into right relationship with him. That's all. The, one of the key phrases in this story was, he came to himself. He realized, I'm not where I belong. That's what I realized at eight years old. I'm not where I belong. I am not in right relationship with God. I'm in a precarious situation. When you are in right relationship with God, no matter what the situation is, it is never precarious. God's with you. And you're with God. It never is a precarious situation, no matter how bad it gets. Because you're with God. And God is with you. That's what He wants restored. This this young man who found himself with pigs and starving to death realized my father's servants, his hired servants have plenty of food to eat. What is wrong with me? What am I doing here? He came to himself realizing I was not created to be in this situation. And we all need to realize that. And then he tried to create his own salvation. Hear me. I'm no longer worthy to be called thy son. He got his little speech ready. I've sinned before God and you. I'm no longer worthy to be called thy son. I just want to come home and work as a servant. So he created his own salvation and his own sentence, his own judgment, and his own sentence. And he tries to go home and put that on his father. Father, I'm no longer worthy to be called thy son. I've sinned before you and God, and I'm no longer worthy to be called thy son. I just will come home, and his father's just like, ah, bring me the best robe not a good robe not one that needs washing because this guy's been with the pigs but the best robe get me the best robe this is my son get me the best robe here put this ring on your finger that was the credit card of the day you got money now son you're home I'll take care of you. You can get anything you need. 
and bring shoes and put on his feet. It's wonderful that the Father would not accept anybody trying to save themselves. Now, the equivalent for us today is this. My life is messed up. I haven't been in church in a long time. Man, I need to go back to church. Well, that's a good start, going back to church. But that's not what God has in mind. God has in mind, yeah, you've sinned before me. Come back and the Father will run to meet you. The Father will get the best robe, the robe of righteousness, and put on you. Not the clothing of self-righteousness. I'll just come home and maybe I can participate in church. I'll just come back to church and maybe I can help a little bit and contribute some money or something and I'll be okay. No! Come back to God. That's what we all had to do and have to do regularly. Go to God and say, God, I've messed up. And He puts a robe of righteousness on you. You don't cover your own sin. He takes care of that. You don't make up for it by a little participation. Yes, come back to church. We love you and want you here. We're all made up of people just like you. Come back to church and get involved. But what you need to do primarily is when you come back or before you come back, go to God and say, I've messed up. God, forgive me. Restore our relationship. I just want to be near my Father. Now, in my family, many years ago, one of my children had made an error in their life. And we're continuing in that error. And they came, called me, and had an offer for me. Dad, can I buy you lunch? And of course, like any old man, I gave the right answer. Free food? Yeah, I'll be there. (laughs) When and where? And I knew what it was about. We met and talked and ate. Near the end of the food time, confession was in progress about what was going on in their life. And the question came to this. And this is the question we all have for God when we've messed up. Dad, what do you think? Now that doesn't mean, what do I think? What do you think? That means, God, how are things between you and me? That's what that means. And I knew that question was coming. And I had prayed, God, give me your kind of answer. I don't want to separate in my family between me and my child because I've given a wrong answer. Help me to answer your way, God. I want to answer the way you would answer. Help me to answer your way. And I was so excited 
to hear the words that came out of my mouth that were not planned, that God provided right at the right time. And these words came out. I will not always approve of every decision you make. But I will always approve of you. You are my child. That was the answer that came out. That brought the tears and the hugs. And that brought eventual return to rightness in living. And it made no separation between me and my child. Do you understand how important those words are? I will not always approve of every decision you make, but I will always approve of you. That is God's word to you today. I'll always approve of you. You're my child. I can't approve all the choices you make. (laughs) But always come back. Always come back. And I'll always receive you with the robe of righteousness. I'll always receive you with a ring on your finger. What's mine is yours. Look at the promises in the Word of God. That's Him saying, what's mine is yours. The Bible is full of promises. What's mine is yours. Always there. And then, being forgiven we have the ability to help others to come back and be forgiven. And no, they're not dealing with perfect people. Um, Who is in charge of music? Please come on up. I want to take this moment just to ask you if there is anything at all that you feel is separating you from really close fellowship with God. I'm going to ask you to just, I don't want you to bow your head and close your eyes and raise your hand and that kind of thing. I want you to hear these words from God. I won't always approve of everything you do, every choice you make, but I will always approve of you. You're my child. Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for giving your word to us at a time we need it and every time we need it. Thank you for using the things in life that you never meant evil to come to us, but they rattle us enough that we stop and listen to you. Thank you, Lord, for the challenges that we face, for the joy that's set before us, for helping us to make the right decisions at the right time. Thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name. After that uh, reminder of that we live by grace, Let's stand and sing a prayer of gratefulness back to the Lord.
closing I just want to say thank you for your attention and thank you for your attention to possibly allowing the Lord to speak to you how much he loves us Um, would you join with me and let's say the Lord's prayer our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Don't don't forget, our brother will be waiting back in the back to talk to you about uh, the Gideon project of handing out the Word of God to people. Uh, Do we have something in the... uh, Yeah, okay. Down that hallway is food. (laughs) So, uh, just that puts it simple.
May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. May the Father watch over you with his loving arms and the Holy Spirit lead and guide you in each day. Amen. God bless you. Welcome.